Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Everything Hoops podcast here on KRNU2. I'm your host Daniel Mahoney and in this episode I'm going to be talking about the teams that were eliminated in the play-in and why they lost their play-in games and what they should do in the future. And I'm also going to continue my series called Young Bucks That Don't Suck. So I hope you enjoy this episode. So the first team we're going to talk about is the Toronto Raptors. Who ended the season as the ninth seed with a 41 and 41 record, but they lost to the Chicago Bulls in the playing game by four points, 109 to 105, and they were in control of this game. They had a big lead of 19 at the end of the first half. The Raptors were up by 11 points 58 to 47 and the Bulls couldn't hit any threes they were 2 for 11 the Raptors were 8 for 19 from three they also had six offensive rebounds they ended the game with 16 offensive rebounds and they still could now win obviously the first thing you gotta look at is the free throw shooting which was because of DeMar DeRozan's daughter because she was yelling which is pretty hilarious but fact of the matter is that's just an excuse because NBA players have heard worse than a kid yelling we gotta look at Fred Van Vliet first because he had a solid game he was getting going from three but he couldn't do anything thing else it's just been a testament of his season he's so inconsistent and inefficient they have a horrible bench their bench didn't do anything Gary Trent Jr. who's the only guy that brings them scoring off the bench in this game only played 17 minutes and shot one for seven from the field so for the majority of the game the Raptors weren't getting the worst looks they were running a lot of pick and rolls and post ups trying to get switches that's where Pascal Siakam killed the Bulls as he scored 32 points shooting 13 for 22 from the field a really good day besides the free throw shooting we know the clutch free throws he missed at the end of this game but he went 5 for 11 which is really bad that's 45% and the execution offensively in the fourth quarter for the Raptors was really bad. They weren't creating any good looks. Credit to Billy Donovan adjusting some things defensively. But the Raptors still won 9 for 22 from the field. Shot 5 for 10 from the free throw line. And that's just the story of the Raptors season and uh, in general last year too. Because they struggled to execute in the half court. That's why I really wasn't worried about this team. Fred Van Vliet went one for six in the fourth quarter. But anyways, what Billy did was, so for the majority of the game, he had Vooch soft head screens. And then he had Vooch switch on to guards, which I didn't really like that, but apparently it worked because Fred Van Vliet couldn't score on Nikola Vucevic. It was pretty hilarious. Sometimes during the game, we went small with Derek Jones Jr. 
at the five man. So I think Billy Donovan in this game did a good job coaching. In the Heat game, he really struggled, but we'll talk about that later. Anyways, Zach Levine was huge in this game. His third quarter of scoring 17 points kept the Bulls in it, and he had 39 points for the whole game. DeMar had 23 points, and he actually took 19 shots, which is great because the Raptors defensively, they always triple team. They do not want the opposing team's best player to beat them. In the three games that the Raptors versus the Bulls, DeMar DeRozan shot the ball 26 times in three games. That's around eight shots per game. DeMar got 19 up and scored an efficient 23 points on 19 shots, which thank God, because that's what I was worried about. I was worried that they were going to double team, triple team DeMar and make anyone else beat him. But with Zach Levine having 39, that was a huge reason why they weren't doubling. But anyway, So defensively, what happened in the second half? First off, the Bulls were not hitting threes. So in the fourth quarter, the Bulls hit four threes, shot seven of them. So they went 57% from three in the fourth quarter, which was huge because we were getting good looks from three in the first half. We couldn't hit any of them. But finally, in the fourth quarter, we hit them, which was crucial. And also a big thing is the Bulls in this game got 52 paint points and the Raptors only got 40. What happened was DeMar and Zach were able to get to the basket because the Raptors on-ball defense isn't as good as people say. People talk about their length and all this, how they got so many versatile defenders. That's not true. That's not true at all. But what happened in this one was I think the Raptors game plan was to force DeMar and Zach into a second defender who was in the gaps. The problem is that gap defender who was there just left, just left, didn't even try to stop the ball, which led to those easy driving lanes for DeMar and Zach. Like I remember one, I think Scotty Barnes was on the ball guarding DeMar DeRozan and he was supposed to force DeMar DeRozan into a gap defender who was OJ Anobi, but OG just left and that straight line drive was there. So I think it was a very poor job of the Raptors executing their game plan. And I think DeMar and Zach took advantage of it because thank God they didn't triple team DeMar and Zach because that that technically it's annoying because you get open shots from it and your guys need to hit their open shots but they miss so technically if you're the Raptors that strategy worked thank god they didn't do it this time but anyways Patrick Williams in this game was really good specifically defensively on Pascal Siakam. I think he killed it. Kobe White, he went four for four. Super efficient day for him. Alex Caruso 
was great like usual of course he's not going to score a lot of points but is so good defensively he's going to make an all defensive team he was so important for the Bulls in this game and the Raptors let's be honest they're probably going to have a lot of change I don't know if Fred Van Vliet's going to come back I don't think they should bring him back Gary Trent Jr. I don't think they should bring him back and they may trade OJ Anobi who's one of the only ones I would keep of course I think you should probably trade Pascal Siakam get assets and then build around Scotty Barnes and let him develop because I don't think Scotty has had a fair chance of developing for the Raptors and Nick Nurse is probably going to be fired too but yeah this game was bad in general because the Raptors should have won this if you if the Bulls shot two for 11 from three if the Raptors got 16 offensive rebounds if you had a 19 point lead around the nine minute mark in the third quarter you should win but it was their bad on ball defense not executing their game plan just their defense being overrated in general all year because that length that doesn't do anything for them they're really not that good defensively and I'm happy that the Bulls took advantage of that in the second half So the next team I'm going to talk about is the Chicago Bulls. During the regular season, they ended the season as the 10th seed, 40 and 42. They beat the Raptors as we talked about, then versus the Heat for the 8th seed and lost 102 to 91. DeMar had 26 points. He was solid. Vooch only had nine shots, which I'm going to talk about that later. Zach Levine was the one who disappointed. He shot six for 21 from the field, was extremely sloppy with the ball. It's just a complete opposite game of what he did for the Bulls against the Raptors. For the Heat, Jimmy and Max Struess scored 31 points. For the Heat in this game, Jimmy redeemed himself because he's a great player, hit clutch shots. Bam went one for nine, but what's interesting was he had a really solid game. He had 17 rebounds and was so good defensively. He was making really good defensive plays, especially in the fourth quarter, switching, helping out. He was really good. And Jimmy talked about how he was proud of Bam because you got to find ways to contribute when you aren't scoring. So good for Bam. Bam. And anyways, talking about this game, I want to start with Max Struess. First off with the Bulls defense. It's just what it's been all year. Our defense is good, but we overhelp a lot, which means Max Struess, he's going to get into a rhythm early and you can't let a three-point shooter like that get into a rhythm so in the game he shot seven for 12 from three but in the first quarter he shot four for five because the Bulls weren't rotating and closing out to him a couple possessions they were over helping off Max Struess and that really hurt our defense and then at the end of the game Max Struess hit a big three that basically sealed the win for the Heat. And that, and I think that was because he was able to get into a rhythm in the first quarter because he, sh- he shot four for five from three because the Bulls were leaving him open, which is why I do not like the Bulls defensive scheme, even though we're a good defensive team. I just think these wide open threes that we occasionally give up really hurts us. Anyways, talking about the Bulls, the defense was 
fine. It wasn't it was it wasn't fine in the first quarter, but other than that, the defense was good. It's the offense. The Bulls scored 91 points. Pretty simple. If you only give up 102 in today's NBA, you should win because you should be able to score 109 to 113. The Bulls can't do that, which is absolutely sad because we got talent on this team. DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, Kobe White, Alex Caruso was really good in the first quarter. He scored eight points in the first quarter, which was really good. He really helped us out get, get into a rhythm. Anyways, what we did offensively was we didn't move the ball well enough because when you verse a team like the Heat that also are like the Bulls, they overhelp. They're always put into rotations. They scramble a lot. You have to have quick ball movement. The Bulls didn't have that. And we didn't take advantage of Nikola Vucevic because he really should have had a better game because a lot of times the Heat switch bam onto our guards like Damar, Zach, whoever it is. So Vooch had a mismatch and what they would do was they would front the post and that should open up a lot for us because a backside defender has to help when the Heat are fronting the post so that weak side corner should be wide open or you can flash to the middle of the floor and then do a high low. I think we misutilized Vooch in this game because he shot six for nine from the field. So he was efficient, but he only took nine shots. Billy Donovan, this is the guy that we traded two first-round picks for. One of them became Franz Wagner. Wendell Carter Jr. was the main player that we got. But now the, the Magic are probably going to get the 11th pick unless we jump. Hopefully that happens, but probably not. But we weren't able to utilize Vooch in this game. Zach Levine, once again, the thing that I'm most annoyed about was the sloppy turnovers. He had five in this game, which is unacceptable. I, I just, a lot of times, he just lost the ball when he was dribbling. His handle was a little loose. It should have been tighter. Anyways, when talking about Billy Donovan, I think he did a really good job in the Raptors game. I think he's a good coach. And trust me, there are worse coaches than Billy Donovan in the NBA, but I think what costed the Bulls was not closing out the game with Kobe White. I think if the Bulls closed out with Kobe White, gave us more three-point shooting because he had a really good game. He shot 5 for 10 from the field in this game, 4 for 6 from 3. He was really good, but the Bulls decided to close with Patrick Beverly, which... I like Patrick Beverly, and I hope he comes back, but we needed three-point shooting on the floor, and we didn't have that. I thought Kobe White was playing extremely well and deserved to close this game, but yeah, it's just disappointing how bad of an offensive team this team is when there's talent. I think that Billy Donovan is misusing the talent, so what the Bulls should do, I honestly don't care if they decide to rebuild or they decide to bring back Damar and Vooch because I still think this team is a top six seed especially knowing how we finished the season how good our defense was I just think the talent offensively needs to be utilized better and I'm very excited if we keep Zach I want to see a fully healthy Zach because he wasn't fully healthy this year and killed it at the end of the season but it's just disappointing in general because in my opinion I think we should have won that game so the next team I'm going to talk about is the Oklahoma 
City Thunder. They'd want to get a two for one if they could. Gildas Alexander drives, gets inside. The floater is good. Oh, what a shot from Gildas Alexander. And after beating the Pelicans in the 9 vs. 10 matchup, which we'll talk about that in a sec, the Pelicans lost to the Timberwolves 95 to 120. And the first thing you got to look is fact of the matter is this team is small so they can't protect the rim and the Timberwolves got 58 paint points and the Thunder only got 30. Another thing that you guys understand is that since the Thunder can't protect the rim they always over help which means they give up a lot of open threes. So the Timberwolves shot 40% from three. They only took 32 so they made 13 but the thing is the Thunder took 43s and made 13. So the Timberwolves were also more efficient from three. They made the same amount while getting outscored in the paint. The Thunder got outscored in the paint by 28 points. There's just no way you can win like that. And another thing, I don't think they got really bad shots offensively. I thought they got pretty solid shots. But Shea Gilgis-Alexander had a bad game, 5 for 19. Obviously, that's not the type of player he is. I thought he missed some easy ones. Also, shout out to his cousin, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, for playing really good defense. And Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, they couldn't step up like how they did in the Pelicans game. Josh Giddy, particular, shot two for 13 from the field. So you just want Josh Giddy to be more consistent as a scorer, even though he took leaps. I think his second year was better than his first year, which is really good. And I think he's a really good player. Once again, you obviously will have Check coming back. You have the 12th pick projected. Projected. Of course, they can jump to number one. So they got a good first round pick. They got a lot of young talent. They just need to continue to surround Shea and Josh with three-point shooters. Of course, keep on developing J-Dub because he is really good. And they should be back in the play-in and should be more competitive in a play-in type game. Because I don't think Shea is going to be as bad as he was in this one. And hopefully Check can protect the rim. And maybe you can get another center as a rim protector. But yeah, I really like what the Thunder have done this season. I'm really proud of them, and I can't wait to watch them in the future. And finally, I'm going to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. Jones throws it. Caught by Hayes. Ingram puts up a three. Oh, it's gone. He knocks it down. So what happened was defensively, they had a game plan of the first half, basically, to stop Shea and make anyone else beat him. They put her Jones on him. They were doubling him in pick and rolls. They were denying him whenever he gave up the ball. And Shea in the first half went 3 for 10. But when you do that, you got to rely on other guys to score if you're the Thunder. And they got that from Josh Giddy, who was incredible in this game, not in the Timberwolves one. But he scored 31. Lou Dort was incredible on both ends of the floor. His defense on Brandon Ingram was really good, even though Brandon Ingram in the second half, specifically in the fourth quarter, was hitting tough buckets. But Brandon Ingram in the first half was two for seven from the field. I think Lou Dort did a really good good job making it as tough as possible, but Lou Dort had 27 
points in this game. Anyway, so Shea only had seven points at the end of the first half, but then Shea had 17 points in the third quarter and shot six for nine from the field. And I felt like the Pelicans were letting him go to work one-on-one too much. He was getting to the rim a little bit. He was able to score in isolation. I thought they should have kept up with their game plan, even though Josh Giddy and Lou Dort were having really good games. I think that they should have kept with that game plan of trying to stop Shea because in the third quarter, you let Shea get get going and he had 17 points. He ended the game with 32. He hit an insane clutch shot at the end of the game. Around 30 seconds left, Shea went to work one-on-one. He hit a fallaway floater over Herb Jones. It was a tough shot. It was incredible. And Shea gave the Thunder a one-point lead with around 25 seconds left in the game. It was such a big shot. So what happened with the Pelicans offense? Well, the Thunder played Brandon Ingram like how the Pelicans did with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They put Lou Dort on him. Physical defender. Extremely disruptive, which it got to Brandon Ingram in the first half, but then he took over in the second half. He shot 8 for 12 from the field in the second half and ended the game with 30 points and he had some insane clutch shots even more impressive than the ones that Shea hit. Brandon Ingram is a great player and of course when the defense uh, is so focused on a player like Brandon Ingram that's going to leave guys like Trey Murphy, Herb Jones who Trey had 21 in this game, Herb had 20. Both of those guys are really good and absolutely killed it but CJ McCollum He's been so inconsistent this year. A really good player, but just inconsistent. In this game, he shot 5 for 15 from the field, 1 for 5. When they double Brandon Ingram, when you need that secondary shot creator to step up, CJ was not able to in this game, and he only scored 14 points. But I think the big thing was how the Pelicans did not use Jonas Valanciunas for the majority of this game except for the beginning because Jonas was killing it at the beginning of this game and he shot 7 for 9 from the field in 30 minutes. He killed it, but then in the second half, he only took two shots. The Thunder had no chance of stopping him because they don't have a strong center that can battle with Jonas Valanciunas in the post. That's why I really like this matchup for Jonas Valanciunas. I thought he could have killed the Thunder, which he did, but the Pelicans didn't get him the ball didn't get him the ball in the low post to try to get easy baskets. They just relied on pick and rolls, isos, just played through Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum, which of course Brandon Ingram is fine, but with how CJ McCollum was struggling, maybe they should have went to Jonas Valanciunas for a couple of post-ups. And then their fourth quarter defense, when they went back to double teaming Shea they really didn't do it well because their backside defense and rotations weren't good so they gave up a lot of easy baskets and they couldn't they couldn't execute in the clutch the Thunder just did a better job their offense is really solid when it's clicking because there's a lot of good movement a lot of good cutting and of course you got Shea who's one of the better ISO scorers in the league and all this led to the Pelicans losing to the Thunder 123 
to 118. So I think what the Pelicans should do is, of course, you got to hope that Zion stays healthy, which, of course, that's it's just unfortunate that he can't, but you got to rely on Zion because he's a great player, and trading him would be really dumb. You got to rely on the development of Trey Murphy and Herb Jones. I think they need to figure out what they're going to do with Jonas Valanciunas. Either you utilize him and his post-up ability or you just get rid of him because he's a liability defensively. So if you're not utilizing him offensively, teams are going to take advantage of him defensively. I know that as a Bulls fan. Anyways, I think the Pelicans are going to be just fine. I just don't know when they're going to be contenders. Now it's time for the second time I've done the series, Young Bucks That Don't Suck. I'm going to start with Trey Murphy. Well, and with Williamson and Ingram both out, New Orleans shooting some more threes. Already 23 attempts. Murphy! who I talked about with the Pelicans, and he had such a good year this year. He averaged 14.5 points in his second year and shot 48.4% from the field, 40.6% from three, and 90.5% from the free throw line. He almost had a 50-40-90 season in his sophomore year. That's so incredible. Trey Murphy is so talented. He can hit threes. He's athletic. He can dunk on anyone. He can really get some posters and he's really good defensively with his length he can switch he's six foot nine he moves his feet extremely well he's just the type of player that you want in today's NBA the only thing is sometimes the Pelicans may not utilize him maybe have him moving off the ball more maybe have him coming off pin downs player screens things like that and maybe trust him utilizing him on the ball too I felt like he could have done more with the ball in his hands and that could have really helped his development but hopefully the Pelicans just utilize him more next year great player my second player will be Jonathan Kuminga of course he's not a consistent contribute contributor like Trey Murphy but he continues to have these flashes like insane athleticism Great defensive plays, but sometimes off the ball he can fall asleep, but really good defense. Sometimes he shoots the three consistently, but that's a big thing he has to work on because he doesn't shoot threes at a high volume, and sometimes teams leave him open and he misses them. So things like that he has to improve on, but he averaged 10 points this year, 52.5% from the field. And what makes me so excited about Jonathan Kuminga is one, he's with a great organization in the Golden State Warriors that are really good at developing and utilizing their players. It's really easy to fit into that system based on cutting, off-ball movement. I think Jonathan Kuminga fits that perfectly, and he has shown a lot of times where he does fit that system, and he has really excelled in that system. I just think It's consistency with the jump shot he needs, consistency with his defense specifically off the ball because I know what he can do on the ball defensively. I feel like if he can become a better off-ball defender, then he'll be able to help the Warriors consistently have consistent minutes and help them win. I think Jonathan Kuminga has a big part of the Warriors' future, and I really like his game. And finally, 
we got the man, the myth, the legend, the Austin Reeves. Reeves, 21 points, three assists, gets inside, off balance, jumper, got it, go! And I just want to say, Austin Reeves is a really good player, no jokes aside, this year, he averaged 13 and shot 53% from the field and shot 39.8% from three. In fact, the matter is after all of the trades, Austin Reeves was more utilized in the offense because he can shoot. He's a good pick and roll ball handler and he makes good decisions. He, he makes winning plays and he makes the Lakers a better team. We seen that against the Grizzlies game one. He scored 23 points. 14 points in the fourth quarter. He shot five for five in the fourth quarter. Attacking drop coverage. Attacking some bad switches from the Memphis Grizzlies. He killed it. And LeBron and AD were just watching. That's how good he was playing. LeBron and AD were playing off the ball. I mean, AD set some screens, some drag screens. They ran double drag empty for him, but they were running their offense through Austin Reeves. And Austin Reeves ended it by saying, I am him. And Austin Reeves is a really good player. Probably not going to be an all-star, but he was undrafted in 2021. I don't know what these scouts saw what they were thinking how is he undrafted in this draft class he he could be in a redraft he could be a first round pick he probably should i don't understand how the draft experts botched this so much because i see a lot of guys here that aren't better than austin reeves i don't think i can find someone in the second round that's better than austin reeves there's some good players here herb jones Ios, I mean, he's not been playing good for the Bulls. I know that as a Bulls fan, but I just don't understand how he was undrafted. That makes no sense. And I almost forgot about his defense, which is underrated because he moves his feet extremely well. And he can also guard off the ball in game one against Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain was coming off handoffs, Chicago actions. And Austin Reeves was sticking with Desmond Bain really well. And Desmond Bain is good at using those handoffs to create space to get good looks from three. But Austin Reeves, he even blocked Desmond Bain on one of those threes. It was so impressive. I mean, I knew his defense was good. But seeing him guard Desmond Bain was really impressive because Desmond is a good player. I hope you enjoyed the eighth episode of the Everything Hoops podcast where we talked about the Raptors, the Bulls, the Pelicans. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you have a good day.